Hello, everyone, and welcome to Two Goals. I'm Maria Laura. And I'm Katia. And I want to start today's episode by thanking each of our supporters. It has been an amazing month of podcasting, knowledge, love, and at least 1% of the contribution that we're striving to achieve with this platform. Thank you so much for believing in us. To commemorate this day, we rank a really special guest, a referent inside and outside the pitch from one-of-a-kind country, recognized after his unique ways of manifesting football passion. You have guessed right, we're talking about Colombia, and our representation today is coming from Manuela Acosta, professional footballer with a major in psychology and a major in business management, and an advocate for the development of women's football. Manuela, it is amazing to have you here. Uh, that sounds really nice, Maria Laura. I think it's that some of the presentations, basically people ask about me, um, it's just like, like a soccer player, but now you just put around my psychology degree and everything. So it sounds really nice. Uh, I'm really happy to be here. I'm gonna, as I said, I'll try to dust off my English. So we'll get the best of my pronunciation. No problem. Not a problem at all. I mean, and actually, now that you mentioned this, the important part of, of mentioning that you studied the, uh, a degree in psychology and business management is because we are trying to explain people out there, those stories about professional footballers, but not only about their sportive performance, it's just a matter of what they do in their daily life, what they're trying to build, what kind of career they are trying to build around football. So this is really, really important for, for them to understand. Yeah, I think we're human beings, holistic, no? So at the end, basically, we show too many things that we learn to love and basically we had two other things that we naturally love. And that should be the case for me with soccer. I naturally loved soccer since I was <laughs> maybe four years old basically. And I learned to love too many other things. Those of my degrees are part of that basically. So actually now that you mentioned your, your first years as a footballer, we're curious about what kind of role do your family portray in that passion that you built? Well, being honest, right now, you know, like the year passing by, it's really hard to remember those first years. But my dad, he used to tell me all the time that since I was four years old, uh, my uncle, or maybe at four years old, my uncle gave me a soccer ball. And this was the only thing... I, I never like let down. I, I take I used to take that ball with me all the time. Um and I remember those first years I was playing just with boys. It wasn't really um common to to find other girls to play with. So basically I remember my parents and my dad playing with me at the park. Um and then um since I remember that from that time, well, I started to play with boys. And my first, like my first team was uh, just boys and probably two other girls with me. And I remember that my parents were there, like for the weekends, for the games, they were always there. Um, after all, I think they were like the 12th player, not inside the pitch, but outside. They were always supporting me. And I think they were like really important by the time because I used to put it in these words, really simple, but back in the 90s, being a woman and playing soccer was like a scene. So they were really, really supportive. Yeah, and uh, with the support of, uh, of your parents and your family, uh, you had also the chance 
to to uh, gain a scholarship and study in the United States. How important was it to play in such a reference country in the women's game? And how did you manage to keep the sportive level while studying? Well, I remember I had like my first international tournament when I was 12. And since that moment, I said, I, I want to do this for the rest of my life, you know. And in Colombia, we didn't have the option to be professionals. It wasn't really a profession by that time. So I remember I was in ninth grade um, in high school and I told my parents, I'm going to change my school because I want to get into an international baccalaureate because I want to be able to be uh, selected for this scholarship back in the USA. The only, like the aspirational that we had was just traveling to the USA to get this scholarship. It was um, something uh, I remember my dad always saying, okay, this is a hobby, but you need to learn other things in order to survive, no? Like to get those, how do you put it, like the financial uh, security. So, yeah. said, okay. <laughs> but I want to go to the USA. That was like something I had on my mind and I really fought for it because I even changed my high school. Um, and I started this process. I remember there was a company, they were really like a consultancy company for these scholarships. And then I got one back in West Virginia. It was like a small town. It was like a huge step for me because Bogota is a huge city. Uh, it's the main capital of Colombia. So I went there. And the other thing that I think the athletes recognize, recognize this, but basically people doesn't. Um, when you travel around the world. In Colombia, we don't have seasons. But when I got to the USA and in West Virginia, the season were like uh, minus 15 degrees. So playing soccer in that weather for me was like, holy no, like, wow. <laughs> um, but I really enjoyed the process because if, if I'm going to be honest, um, my whole life, soccer, it's about like choose a place to play and then. Uh, try to find something to do over there. So in this case, back in the USA, it was the same. When I got there, actually, my coach was like, okay, what are you going to study? <laughs> and I was like, mm, just <laughs> let me know which is like the uh, favorite degree for the athletes. And she said, well, everyone basically <laughs> studies business. So I was like, that's my one, you know, like I'm going to pick that. But it wasn't like, oh, I want to study business, so I'm going to get a scholarship, play soccer. No, I want to play soccer, and then I'm going to study, you know? So um, that was really, really important for me. It wasn't really hard, if you ask me, Katia, because back in the USA, you know, athletes are really recognized. And, for example, I remember if some of the exams were at the same time of the games, they really prioritized the games. So that was like a huge advantage. And they are really supportive. Um, so it was like a great time. I really enjoy it. And, and after that, you got also the chance to play in Inter Milan, right? Is that right? It was after the U.S.? No, no, no. It wasn't right after um, because I went to USA back in 2007, 2006, I guess. I was pretty young. Uh, I finished my degree and I came back to, to Bogota. And that's when, when psychology appeared because I went back to Bogota and I was like, okay, um, I'm still pretty young to start working. It wasn't really like a, something that I really wanted to do, you know? 
So I said like, okay, I'm gonna get another degree. And psychology was like a good option for that time, you know, like I'm gonna try to understand my mind, you know, like <laughs> sometimes we, we are really like dreaming about that. Like we're gonna be able to analyze others. But basically I really enjoyed that degree. And after that, when I finished my second degree, this was back in 2013, I guess. Well, seven years ago by now. 2013, um, I went to Milan uh, once again uh, with the excuse to do a master's degree. <laughs> but basically, I wanted to play soccer once again. <laughs> so I said, okay, let's go to Milan. And once I got there, um, they contacted me. Because when I got my scholarship back in the USA, I got like an international sports profile and they saw that and they found out that I was in Milan at the same time. So I went and did the tryouts with them and everything worked out pretty well. And, and I had one season back there. Um, it was amazing because I think multicultural uh, difference, like really, really, they're really functional in your life. But at the same time, it was a really hard process because everything you need to learn the language and I remember and this sounds pretty nice when people says like soccer is the international item you know and basically it is but somehow you need to know the slangs of the girls you know you need to know how to really communicate um it's just not about passing the ball it's just yeah. like you need to, to really be able to create like a teamwork and at the beginning it was hard and even more, because I remember when I arrived, they were uh, in a process for seven months before that. So when I got there and the coach saw me and he was like, well, you want to play with us? And I was like, yeah, I want to do that. But they were together from a long time before I got there. So it was like the new girl, you know, like <laughs> even when you sat in, inside the, the pitch where 11, but outside were like 25 or whatever, but everyone wants to be inside. Yeah. And so it was like, right. it was like really like, how do you put it in that way? It wasn't really hard, but it was like not really nice at the beginning, but it was like a huge experience for me. So, I mean, after having these two experiences, what kind of, things, what kind of best practices can we bring to Colombia to try and develop women's games? Well, I, I'm going to try to put it in, in two sides that I think are really important. In a sportive way, well, um, back in the USA, they really focus on what they have to do. Uh, in Colombia, we have like this culture uh, that is um, somehow, I think we we... We're really joyful, but somehow it's not like we're really disciplined to do something. And, and somehow I remember the first time in my life that I threw up after a train was back in the USA because it was really hard. They were really putting into physics level. Here in Bogota, we don't really, I mean, they, we do. It's a... This further at the end requires like a huge effort, but they really do it. And I think that's the huge difference. In a mental way, they really work through a purpose. Somehow, uh, I think that's a huge difference because here we, we really enjoyed the game. We, we, I remember even the, the way we start training the warm up. 
we're always with the ball. I remember back in the USA, there were times when we never touched the ball in a trans in a single transition. So I think that's a huge difference. Back in Italy, uh, I'm starting to think that the Italians are like the uh, Europeans, Latins somehow. <laughs> because, yeah, they, they're really joyful as well. And they're not really straight like we were back in the USA. So I think it's a nice mix because basically we, we, I think Latin Americans have this in our, I don't know if our essence or in a, inside our blood, you know, like how to put it in a, a joyful way, but it's like we, we really enjoy just going into the pitch with a ball in our feet. It's like for us, it's just about uh, being really happy at that time but they are really strict inside their process. So I think we should just like made a mix of those. Great explanation. So moving on to the academic and professional experience, you already touched upon the, why you, you chose psychology, but if you can uh, explain a bit more about this and if sports were involved in, in this career decision. I think psychology was like the the degree that I really chose. I mean, when I got back to Colombia and I was still quite young to, to just start thinking to work uh, and get a job, you know, like this, uh, I'm gonna put it like the normal life that we used to to pick or select. Um, I, I, I was playing soccer at the time in, um, in the national team actually here in Colombia. And I said, well, I want to have time just to keep on training, just to keep on form, just to be able, if something happened, just be ready, you know. And then um, there was this university that is outside Bogota that it's called uh, Savannah University. And they had this great campus they, with a huge pitch, you know, like... Um, everything seems really perfect. Uh, I was playing at the same time in another team that was near to, to the main campus. So I was like, okay. So I started this research and I was like, okay, um, I would really like to understand many processes inside the human behavior. So basically it was like a, like a nice balance between being able to keep on playing, keep on training um, being close to, to my family, to my friend, and at the same time to do something in case of. I mean, I remember my dad, he always says, okay, it's it's wonderful that you love soccer or any sports at the end. I think sports give you the discipline and maybe, I don't know how to say in English, but rigorosity, maybe that, that's the word, but like show you a way yeah. to live, yeah. like, a, you know, like a style of living out of the same things that we said, drugs, uh, I wasn't never a party girl. I, I really never enjoyed, not because of the environment, just because I remember I loved to, I, I used to love to go to bed early just because I was uh, planning to play soccer or having a game the next day, you know? So my weekends basically were like, I, I want to go to bed around 9, 10, maximum p.m. because I want to be, at 6 a.m., well, no, like being able to, to have all of this energy just to put it on a pitch. Well, I think it was like a nice strategy to do something for my life, to actually live in that university process, because 
back in the USA, yeah, I did, but it wasn't like that. I mean, I, I was focused on my soccer and I was like focused on on my team and with the with the trips that we used to do back in the seasons and everything. And here was like, okay, that's gonna be like the real Manu, you know, like the real academic person that is just gonna live her life in the way it's supposed to be. Uh, I, I, I needed to have soccer just like next to me, or I, I don't know if next to me, or I'm always around soccer, like my whole life I've been around soccer. I, I actually um, like met you, no, I mean, <laughs> virtually, the first time that I heard about you, I saw this video where you were explaining um, when you started working as a, a psychologist and the, the, the league in Colombia started, the first league um, back in a couple of years ago. Yeah. And, and I, I love this video because you're so honest. Uh, by saying like, yeah, of course, I mean, I, I was comfortable, I was working as a psychologist, but I remember my dream from, from my childhood, my childhood dream, and I wanted to play professional league in Colombia. And then you started stopping uh, at your work and moving back into professional football. Tell us a bit about this. Well, that's a huge, <laughs> I'm gonna have this in my life the whole time. You know, like those uh, things that you say that you're gonna tell your grandsons. <laughs> um, I remember I was, yeah, back in the, let me say, when was that? 2017, yeah, three years ago. Um, I was working in the office because basically I was 27 years by then and nothing happened here and at the end I was just tired of being just traveling trying to find another option around soccer and well I took a really hard decision before that because back in Italy uh, I have a huge um, um, injury on my knee and they told me if I wanted to stay there and I and get surgery and everything and at the end I said like I'm not gonna survive in a foreign country Um, and that was like a really, really huge decision in my life because I had the option to stay there, but then I just realized that my life, even if I love soccer, was more than that. And as I said, I, I really want to be like a foreign surviving in, in another country. So I came back to Colombia. And when I came back, of course, there was nothing as a professional league here. And fortunately, I had two degrees by then. I got my master. So I was well prepared, you know, like I was well prepared for life, for the life that we used to live. So um, when I came here, I was working and I started working back in 2014. So by 2017, I was seven years working by then. And I was at my office. I was finished something like a report that I had to deliver to my boss. And I saw the news. I remember before that I was playing in a team, just like a hobby and during the weekends. And one of the coaches uh, arrived and he said, Manu, uh, would, you, uh, would you like or would you be able to play a professional league in Colombia? And I was like, yeah, of course, yeah. But, you know, like, mm, okay, sounds good. But when is going to happen? I said, no. Uh, you'll see, you'll see. But I really didn't believe on that, you know? Like, you'll see, you'll see. I was like, I've been chasing soccer my whole life. And are you gonna tell me now that we're gonna have a professional league? So I was really like skeptical about it. 
So I was in my office and I saw on the news like the first professional league in Colombia were making history. So I was like, what? <laughs> no, so I remember this scene, it was so funny because I was there and I finished this report. I went to my office as boss and I said, uh, I'm gonna work uh, till today. So I'm quitting. Uh, thanks for everything. And, so, and he was like, what? What are you talking about? And I said like, yep, uh, I'm gonna be a professional soccer player in this country. And he was like, what, what are you talking about? And I know that's like the sport for boys, you know, like we're done with that, like seriously. And I was like, yeah, I'm gonna do it. And I remember him, he remembered about my name. So I was, and he was like, are you even able to play? And I, I remember answering this like, I don't know, but I'll be. So my next step, um, quitting on that job, I went to visit an orthopedic and he said, well, you're not able to play. Um, because if you decide to play as a professional level, the risk that you're gonna assume is not being able or, of playing or not, um, just um, to stay, how do you say that? Koha in English, like not being able to walk in a very good way. So I said like, no, I'm gonna do this. I, I really wanna do this. This is my dream, playing the, this professional soccer league in my country. I, I need to be there. So I went to my, I went back to my personal trainer that I used to have uh, years ago. And I said, I need you to get me there. I need you to train me to be ready. So how's gonna cost, how much is gonna cost first? And second, how long gonna, it's gonna take me? And he just looked at my knee and we start just like doing some exercises, some research, some, we, we took some uh, x-rays and everything. And he was, well, if you train around three, four times a day, uh, you'll be ready in eight months. And I said like, okay. <laughs> like, and then I went back and with my parents and I said, I quit and I'm going to play soccer. So my dad was like, really? He was out of his mind. What are you saying? <laughs> Don't tell me this once again. I think we were done with soccer now. Like, what about your knee? You're 27 years old. And I said like, yeah, I know all of that, but I'm going to do it. So basically I started this process. It was pretty hard at the beginning. Um, but I did it, uh, and then after eight months, I was ready. And one of my coaches back in the national team, he he called me and he said, uh, "Do you want to try? Do you want to do the tryouts for this team that is called Equidad?" And I said, "Yeah, I'm ready." And I did it, and I remember <laughs> it was pretty funny because uh, I never had to really try out for something. Um, well, in the Inter, but they already had the team. It's not like you know, like you receive thousands of girls like trying out for uh, being in a professional team. So I was there and I remember every day we had games and every day we had something. So it was like a huge mental impact. But after three months, I remember the, the tryouts were like three months. I don't even remember now. Uh, I got it. I, I got into the main team. Um, and they said like, okay, we're gonna sign you. So I was like, okay, uh, does it mean that I already just fulfill my dream? No. And then I said, no, 
I'm gonna fulfill it until I I I do like my debut in my in my country. So I remember this was like in January and February the league start. This was 2018, and I did my debut on March 2018. So I think that was like the first uh, time in my life that I had this huge sensation of like accomplish something that I was really seeking my whole life. And, and I felt like I was done, you know, like you did it, uh, you fought for it, you did it in the right way, it wasn't maybe the right way for others, but it was, and I felt it like the right way for me. So after that, I said like, okay, I'm done with soccer. Now I can just focus on my career, you know, like I'm just, focus on gaining the money that I need to survive and buy in the house and maybe get married. I don't know. But uh, the league ended up in May, I think, May, June 2018. So I said like, okay, I'm done. And around September, October, I think, that year, uh, my colleagues, no, my soccer colleagues, they called me and they said, Manu, we need you. And it was like, what happened? Uh, we are um, really nervous because basically they are saying that we're not gonna have league the next year. So I said, like, what? That's not gonna happen. I mean, I didn't even think about me. I thought about all the girls that were coming behind me and the chance for them to accomplish their dream as I did. So I said, like, we're not gonna let that happen. Um, I, I remember that we did like this national uh, reunion. We met a lot of people. Uh, we contacted some of the lawyers that were like fighting for the women's rights and, and everything that we had to do at that time. And I said, don't worry, we're going to have a leak. And that's like where, where the whole new process started, basically. Fantastic story that you have of your life, really. And we can see uh, with that, that you, your way of thinking, um, your behavior through life are the proof that you're, you're a natural leader. Do you, do you see yourself as a leader inside also the development of women's game in Colombia? And if you can tell us, how did your work towards improving women's football in Colombia started? You know, Katia, that's like a very like deep question. <laughs> Basically, because I don't really see myself as a leader. Um, and actually, when we start this, I've never been a person of uh, social media. You know, like um, I prefer my intimacy. I, I basically I'm, I'm really determined when I want something but it's not like I want to publish my whole life I've been learning how to do this the last year basically um because my friends said like well we need to make this visible we need to uprise your voice and everything but I never said like okay I'm gonna be the leader and we're gonna start with this no I I, I started like I prefer to say it once I decided I was about to do something, the first thing that I told them, I remember to, to these girls that basically uh, wanted me to, to help them, I said, 
we're gonna change the way that we we've been doing the whole things i mean this is not a fight this is not um we're not gonna be like attacking some someone or some institution we're gonna get the things right and getting that was involving a lot of research uh, a lot of time spending on it or investing on it basically and we're gonna do it in the right way because we are gonna talk through the arguments and now through the motions like all the movements around the world even if we say like the feminist movement like somehow um we are people that that is uncomfortable because we, we told the truth but when we told the truth we're able to recognize that was a reality needed to be changed and we start this process and by the time I realized that I was really into this process, everyone was talking about me, about the girl that was like fighting for the uh, women's rights um, through soccer. And then I was appearing in the media, I was appearing in all the interviews, I was facing the principal meetings with, with all of these managers that were controlling like the soccer here in Colombia so then I realized oh, okay uh, this is something huge this is like a huge movement and at the end I realized that the first step to do that was just about listening the needs of the girls because I took uh, right now I'm working like six hours and I call it pro bono <laughs> just for soccer and by that time I was spending two two of those six hours per day just listening to the meetings, you know, like having meetings with the girls, with all the girls, because another thing that I said when we start this, we're not going to do it alone. I mean, we can have like this uh, a small a small table where we can take most of the decisions, but I want to involve everyone that is behind this. I want to involve the coaches. I want to involve the girls. I want to involve... Uh, our doctors, I want to involve everyone that is really surrounded about this. Like I said, I mean, soccer or female soccer is bigger than just the footballers, you know? And I think that that was the, like the, a natural way to just make like a huge, um, how do you say that, colectivo, like a huge movement. Mm -hmm. And everyone was involved. The The, the thing is, I'm not a leader. I always try to do or make it right for everyone, basically. Yeah, actually, actually, we can uh, feel more represented. I mean, Katya and I, with this platform, mm -hmm. we're trying to to show all of these stories. I mean, that that's what you're mentioning is really important, which is developing women's game. It is also a lot about research, about bringing the arguments, about dealing with with the challenges, but to all this hard work. I mean, it is important for, for people to understand that there is a lot of heart, there is a lot of time invest, a lot of resources. And actually this week, uh, you were a moderator in a panel uh, here in, in South America uh, about women's football, about the state of women's football. And, and I, I asked you this, I don't know if you remember, but I asked you this question back there. And I really want you to share thoughts on this, which is after all this amount of research that you have done and all this experience that you have 
live as an as a footballer. What kind of resources we need to enhance the potential and and then, and you know that there there is some plenty. So what kind what what would you prioritize? I mean, from these resources in order to actually get to this point where we can say, okay, women's football in Colombia is evolving. Yeah, well, that that was like this first time that we were able to to hire in the same space uh, people from Argentina, from Chile, from you know everyone that is around LATAM, and I had the opportunity or the privilege to to moderate this first space with with my friends at the end because when we were talking about making this something that was more important than just a single person, um, my commitment was, okay, I'm gonna be able to recognize the needs that are basically uh, the the things that we need to, to improve right now. And when you said that, well, after that space, uh, we recognize too many things as well, but we've been working uh, since, oh, right now, I, I think it will be like seven months since the, fir since the first time that we, we sit together on a table and start thinking about this that you just asked me. And we, we got into conclusion that right now, or most of the time, um, all, the, all the people says that, we don't have uh, enough financial resources to support uh, female soccer. And I've been trying to change that mindset in order to set, we have the financial support, what we don't have is a structure to support the way we spend or no, we invest these resources. Um, this is simple, if you wanna get sponsors, you need to show them where you are selling. If you wanna get people that support you, you need to show them the service, the product, no? And, and make it sustainable. But in Colombia, uh, right now, because the, the, the sports minister, they, they, they gave around, how will that be in dollars? I don't know. In Colombian pesos, it's 1,400 millones. That is a huge amount for uh, female soccer development. And right now, we try to, to use this money. So we had a meeting with Bimayor, that is the institution that managed the professional soccer in Colombia. And we said, okay, you need help. Because basically, I remember the, the first time we, we had a meeting with them. And actually, we got the meeting because we were um, in the in the media. And I remember this journalist, um, she called him, the, this guy, the, the manager of the Mayor, and he said, and she said, well, why do you, why don't you sit with them, with the girls, no? And I remember at that meeting, he brought all his eight managers, you know, and we were, my friend and I, uh, the two of us, we've been facing all these meetings, like the huge meetings, and he said, like, hey, let's work together uh, to make the league sustainable. So I said, like, okay, can you show us what have you been doing? And he said, like, yeah, yeah, well, we've been doing this and this, but he never showed us, like, something, like, you know, like, an strategic planning, anything. So I was like, okay, I know how this is going on. And, and I told my friend, if we are going to, 
if we want to see the change, we're, we're, we're going to be needed to work for it. And we're going to be needed to be surrounded of people to know how to do this in the right way. I know how to do a strategic uh, planning because I've been working, well, in consultancy, you work with that the whole, the whole time. So I knew how to do it, but of course I needed people to know about communications, to know how to spread the, the words, to know how to analyze in a legal and financial way. So we started to involve around, you know, like a lot of people to be able to present something that was really structured. And at the end, we came with this conclusion. We need health, we need salaries, and, and we, we need um, what we call, I don't remember the word in English, but it's like, it's like basic needs. It's not like yeah. we are, um, we yeah. are asking something really huge. And we made like, a, like the count with this money that the minister um, gave to the mayor. And we said, okay, we're able to do it. And I remember on March uh, 17, that we had the, the last meeting, he said, okay, the league, basically we did the job for them, you know? So, um, and he said, okay, we're gonna start the league on April, by the end of April. And I remember by that time, we went out in this uh, sanitarian emergency, pandemia, COVID, everything was like in standby from then and now and on, we're still in standby. So it's been the seventh month of the year and we haven't earned the first salary of the year. So yeah, that was like a huge situation. Right now we are trying to find sponsors, not for the league, just for getting some um, like uh, auxilios, like uh, some supportive uh, for get food for the girls, to get some of the health insurance, Basically, this is like, um, we are in a position in a vulnerability pretty, pretty huge. So, uh, Manuela, in, in order also to help women's football in, in another way, you're involved with an amazing new project, which is called Café Atleta. Can you tell us about uh, the project itself and also your invo involvement with it? Yeah, well, uh, this, like... I think when you start working without networking, you know, and you recognize that if you want to really work for something, you need to work with people. Uh, I've never been secret about the information. I've never been... Uh, when I start working, I realized that this was needed to transcend my, my individual interest. So I've been working with a lot of people in different fields. And Café Atleta was like an strategy born from a communication agency. Her CEO, that it's a, seriously, she's like a marvelous woman. Uh, she said, you know what, I want to do something. She's been, she's a communications agency um, through sports. And they are really important in Colombia. And she called us, Bani and me, my, my friend that we've been working on this, she told us like three, two months ago, I don't remember right now, and she said, I want to talk to you because I'm really tired that no one is really supporting uh, the girls right now. And I'm really tired of being waiting for governmental, governmental institutions uh, to get something done. 
So I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna materialize my idea that I had some time ago, and I'm gonna present a product. Uh, in this case, the coffee that is gonna for each uh, bag of, of coffee that we sell, we're gonna support. Um, I think the percentage is like the 10 percentage, I don't know. We're gonna give it for the cost. So uh, I want you to be the image of the campaign that we're gonna launch. And I wanna start showing the histories of, uh, of the women's be behind uh, female soccer in Colombia. So I said, okay, what do you need to do? I mean, we're ready. So that was like a really important step to show the country, basically, that we're trying to find sponsors, not even in a public sector, but also in a private uh, organizations that they are willing to support, that they are willing to show that there's a reality that, that needed to change. So basically, it was like a huge, huge step for us. Yeah, I was mentioning that it is such an important initiative. It is really important to have this entrepreneurship back supporting sports because at the end of the day, this is a job that we need to do together. It is not only the role of governments. It's not only the role of the girls. It is the role of a society to try and enhance the powered sports, the development of a professionalization sport. So I really hope that we can sell Cafe Atleta all over the world, Manuela, don't you think? Yeah, hopefully. I mean, you know, and you said something that, that I really want to point out because it's really important. It's just not about soccer. It's about sports. It's about basically my whole life. I've been thinking that sports are the reflect of the society, you know. So if we work together to help in others to be or to feel compassionate about the, the other causes and uh, to be supportive because being a, a, an athlete in a reality that we face in LATAM, it's pretty hard. And we still, year by year, chosen uh, to fulfill this passion. So at the end, we're just asking, let us have a space, you know, let us just dignify our profession. And I think what you mentioned is right now, it's just not about which is the responsible of doing is just like who wants to be helping you know who wants to to be willing to to help to this reality uh in the case of colombia uh, sorry in the case of the the cause that we're supporting right now through soccer well um it's pretty important to recognize that we are helping 40 50 how many well, we need to sell around 70,320 bucks, something like that, in order to support uh, like 450 girls. So it's like a huge team that is behind this, um, like this alliance. And I think we are recognizing that somehow we need to make not just this, like too many alliances in order to maybe just work in the same purpose, no? I just want to close this, this episode uh, and try and asking you as a Colombian, could you give female footballers, female sportswomen and professionals out there, just girls out there, an advice on how to 
to try and work for your dreams, Manuela? Well, my, my, my only advice, my Lara, will be right now we're working uh, pretty hard to be able to have a future, but the, the, the girls that are coming behind, they need to make it sustainable because um, it will be, or, or I'll be really an ignorant if I assume that we were the first trying to find this way in, in a different way. I mean, 30 years ago, we had our first national team in Colombia and somehow uh, we are not talking about that. We talk about these generations of the super powerful girls, but somehow I need that when we recognize history, when we recognize that we are the result of someone else 30 years ago fought for our opportunity of being here just raising our voice. So I feel that we just need to be able to recognize that somehow uh, some of us are working right now, but mostly we need to keep working together. This is not like uh, just something about women. This is something about society. This is something that we should just um, separate from public or private or whatever you want to call it. It's just how humans react facing something that is not fair, that it's not that this doesn't talk about the quality we should be having. And always my advice for this girl, at the beginning, I was really, um, I wasn't really involving them in, in the way that I said, okay, we're fighting for them. My purpose in this cause is that they have a different future. Yeah, I'm going to keep doing that, but I'm not going to be here forever as my colleague. They're going to, they won't be here forever. And also, I mean, my whole life I've, I've been saying I'll be around soccer uh, forever, but somehow uh, the way can be really rough and somehow you also get tired and somehow you get like some days, uh, I need to confess, I'm like, seriously, once again, because this feels like an athlete says once, this is not like a spring, this is like a marathon and somehow in the... 30 kilometer, I'm just like without air, you know? <laughs> so my advice for the girls or for everyone is like, we need to keep on working together. We need to realize that this is not gonna change tomorrow. And we need to be able to be persistent in the time because that's the only way we're gonna get different results. And your closing words were fantastic, Manuela. And thank you for everything you shared with us today, really, because we hope with this platform and, and particularly now with your interview that you, you can be an example for many girls and, and women out there, especially um, for future generations in Colombia, because it's needed. And uh, to close this episode, to all of you, listen to us. Don't forget to, to follow us on Twitter and Instagram with the name Two Goals Podcast and to subscribe us on the podcast platforms and now also on YouTube. Take care and stay tuned.